Young hearts run free. Young hearts run free. Young hearts run free. Young hearts run free. A big welcome back to the Young Hearts Run Free podcast. Joining us for season four, episode sixteen, or episode seventy-six already. And I am, as ever, not often a fly solo. In fact, it's never. So I'm joined by John Cassidy. How are you doing, John? You are not alone. There you go. First song of the day. I'm very well, last. man. I'm very well. No, it isn't the last. Um, it's a lovely sunny day here in Perthshire. It's a wonderful day. So hopefully we're going to exude that sunshine to the listeners. We definitely are. Because yeah. this week, you'll be glad to hear, we've got a guest after last week's John and Stephen shit chat, Aye. which, which some of you is quite like, and we like. Definitely. I think well, we've, we've got some feedback saying that some people even prefer that. Wow. Well, that was me that said that. Yeah, that was. <laughs> that was on your rogue Instagram account that you masquerade as somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have got a guest. That guest this week is Joe Simons. More on him in a little bit. We've got some other stuff to speak about before we welcome Joe to the show. Oh, Joe to the show. Sure. Um, and we're starting that by speaking about the Anglo Celtic plate. Yes. How <laughs> great are you coming in there? Because you've got the bullet. You've got the bullet points. Yeah, yeah. Anglo Celtic plate. Hot off of our uh, reveal. Not our reveal, our announcement last week that the Scottish team had been announced. No, I think it was the next day the Northern Irish team was revealed. They put that out on their social media. And then just over the weekend at the start of this week, the team from Southern Ireland, they've put their team out. So it's racking up, man. The gathering of awesomeness is taking shape. The gathering of awesomeness. Yeah, so we're just waiting to be hear about England and Wales now. Come on, boys. Act together. What's the story, man? Get your act together. Get the, so get the announcements made. We're so sitting here pent. We're sitting like here good to go. Nine weeks' time. And there was also an announcement by Tarek Tweets, Adrian Stott, yesterday, yeah. that the, um, the race has been categorised as a silver race. So, by whom? Oh, the Young Hearts run three boys. <laughs> no, it's golden for us, man. It's golden for us. But um, yeah, it's been categorised as a silver race, which is quite pr- prestigious. And reading the tweets, I think it's something to do with it's seen as a a fast opportunity for people who are at that elite end, I think. That's what it's all about, I think. I think so. But it's both the 100k and the 50k have been classed as a silver um event and it's by the international association of ultra runners so um, pres- well, they, they can me and james stewart run the 50 can what i mean I so. Uh, <laughs> so no it says it's it's prestigious it adds a wee bit more prestige to an already awesome event so well done because that will have been a wee bit of work to get that I, I think yeah definitely and it's probably i don't know if it's like an accreditation but it's something that Certainly the events that we've attended before that Adrian's involved with, they're always very well organised, fantastic. So yeah, well done to, yeah. it's not just Adrian, but Adrian and the team behind it all, pulling it all together, well done and looking forward to it. 
I must say as well, there's still time to sign up to test yourself. If you want to do the 50k or the 100k, there's an open field as well. It's not just the elites that are rocking up. Get, get involved. The gathering of awesomeness. Definitely, man. Sunday, got, 3rd of April. North I've, got new, I've got new bumpers for it. I've noticed you've got new bumpers. Your, your um, asset, new ASICs. Aye, I've got to, I've got to go back and thank Gillian McGill for the bumpers thing. I wouldn't. Yes, that's where that word came to me from, from Gillian. So thank you. Um, new bumpers, the rainbow lasers have been added in. Notice that on your social media feeds. Yes, plural. thank you, <laughs> thank you very much. Um, yeah, rainbow lasers. Actually, rainbow lasers. Talk to us about rainbow lasers, John. Rainbow lasers. Come, well, I got mine from Stonewall. It's all about being LGBT friendly. You'll see there's a Rainbow Laces campaign. I think it's normally, there's at some point, is it later in the year? I can't quite mind. I think it was it's later on in the year. You'll see all the cricket, rugby, football teams, the captains will wear rainbow armbands. It's all to support the LGBT community. So everybody can do that by going to Stonewall their website, the rainbow laces are £2.99 a pair. Everybody can get a pair of them. Brighten up your shoes, show yeah. support. And um, there's different variations on the Stonewall website as well about um, if you want to get a pair. So we can put that link in the show notes as well for Stonewall. Definitely, definitely will. Yeah. Um, yeah. So next segue over is to something that's happening in the not so distant future. A week tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Friday, the 21st of January, um, is Pylon Exposure Dark, and mm. we've noticed quite a few of you signing up for that. Definitely brilliant, brilliant. Um, definitely, yes, definitely. There's another song. Can I do that, man? Too oh, many songs. They're working for the same place. Mm. Um, yeah, Pylon Exposure, there's been lots of social media coverage about it, and but there's still time to get involved. Three hours, six hours, nine hours, you choose how long you want to expose yourself for, but you've not got an idea how far you're going to be running because that will come to you um, at five minutes to the hour every hour next week. But we would say we are 100, sorry, can I say 100? We are 100% behind what the Pylon team are doing um, because it's supporting some fantastic charities that links into, we're going to speak to Joe about Joe in a minute, but it links into them, doesn't it, Stephen? Yeah, it definitely does. The um, the, the charities, um, Sam H, Mind, 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 and, and the Samaritans. Samaritans. Yeah. yeah, and we'll speak more about that in a second. But yeah, get get involved if you you can. Yep, and yeah, I still also notice as well. There's some people are doing sort of fundraising for it. So if you're not going to be running yourself, sponsor somebody, get in and chip yeah. in some dough. So it's all good causes. Do it, do it, and we've got an announcement as well of a new initiative that we're making and John um, and I we like our music John loves his music I also love music but John's probably a wee bit more a connoisseur than I am um, but we decided to start up a Young Hearts Run Free playlist Aye, it's yeah. man. I'm called, loving it already <laughs> it's called Le Buff Buff Collection Volume 1 Volume one, which is brilliant, because that means there's going to be more. There's going to be more. <laughs> it's, um, it is on Spotify that we've created this, and what we've done to get it started off is add a few of our personal favourites. We've also been in touch with some friends of the show. Yep. To get one song nomination 
from them. And what we're going to be doing is each week, starting today, we will ask our guest of the week for one song to be added to the Young Hearts, sorry, the La Buff Buff Collection Volume 1. Um, so it will be on the show notes. It's one of those ones. It will be an eclectic mix. Yeah, there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's a song that motivates you regardless of whatever music genre it comes from. If it floats your boat, it floats your boat. And it's in. Any song you choose will, that people choose will be in. And another wee, so I'm going to create a wee jingle. Here comes a segue. That another wee segue into our chat with Joe. It's worth listening to just about the end of this end because that's when Joe gives us his, his first live choice for the Young Hearts Run Free La Buff Buff Collection Volume One playlist, and it's a belter. It's a belter, as as you'll hear. Yeah. Um, speaking about Joe, Joe is a very, very experienced hull runner, more than I appreciated at the start of the conversation, I must admit. But you know what? We had the pleasure, a great pleasure in speaking with Joe. But we must give you a wee, a wee heads up. We do cover the topic of suicide throughout this conversation. It's actually quite apt that we're talking about suicide, we're talking about mental health at this time of year. A lot of people have the challenges at this time of year. Winter can be a long time for people. It's also segues in lovely to the, what the pylon exposure people are doing as well with that next week. So, But it was a great chat, wasn't it, Stephen? Oh, yeah. And, and Joe, well, one, we, we find out a bit more about Joe, the runner, the extremely accomplished runner. Um, I'd say he's a, he's a hill runner, fell runner mm-hmm. to, to, mm-hmm. to trade, but that's no stop stopped him dipping his toes and other things as well and yeah he's been at the very very top of his game for a number of years now and and, and still is um and it's i it's it's a fun insightful chat that we have with him and then yeah like john says touches on some really quite personal and emotional things that have happened to him in the last year um which has fueled his um fueled his running fueled him to set targets and achieve things and he's done it and you'll hear all yeah. about it it's yeah. brilliant you will and for those of you who have a sharp listening ear you'll notice that Stephen and i have only swore once through this introduction yeah that was we didn't even have that guide from our producer actually it's just been a non-sweary day yeah <laughs> not sure the episode will be like that but the introduction's been clean aye I, I don't think the episode is like that but anyway so far we've spent 10 minutes or so when he swears, swear jars empty, John. Let's keep it like that this week. Yeah. So no, I think we that's a touched on everything that we wanted to touch on. We're going to um, now go over to our catch up with Joe and enjoy it. It's a great listen, and yeah, reach out to us on our socials and let us know what you think yourself. Welcome to the Young Hearts Run Free Podcast, Joe Simons. How are you doing, Joe? I'm good, thank you, John. How are you? I'm and very Stephen. well. Yeah, Stephen's here too. Yeah, <laughs> Stephen's there too, yeah. Thank you, thank you very much. Now, we're here to speak about a number of things, but what we often do, or maybe what we always do, is we like to get a wee bit of background. And Stephen and I have done what we now call our world-famous thorough research into your, oh, um, your racing stats, but there's nothing better than hearing it 
from the runner themselves. So if you wouldn't mind, you can go back as far as you want. You can go back to being at school and tell us a bit, wee bit about your running history. So how did Joe Simons get from where he was as a child to here via his running history? Over to you. Oh, well, um, yeah, I think I grew up in Cumbria in the northwest of England. Uh, and that's the sort of hotbed of, of the fell running scene. So I think from a very young age, I certainly learned that it was a normal thing to do to run up and down fells, as they were to me then, hills now, because I've, I've actually just reached the point where I've lived half my life in Scotland, um, where we call them hills. And so I grew up in a fell running family. My, my dad, um, although originally from Manchester, moved to a, a little town called Sedba in, in Cumbria, about a year before I was born and he got into fell running there because this is a little town at the bottom of um, some great hills, um, really good hills for running in and uh, where there's this really strong culture of, of racing in, in the fells. And so I think from probably about the age of nine, ten, I started doing the same thing. Um, and I've always been quite sort of light framed and generally found it pretty easy to get up particularly get up steep hills quite quickly um, so I think from from quite early on I, I was reasonably successful at the, the short they used to call them BOFRA I think it stood for British Open Fell Runners Association uh, BOFRA races you know these are tiny little things which um, would be less than a mile straight up and down a hill um, so that's my sort of beginning of, uh, of the, the running in mountains experience and obviously at school, I did I did running at school, and then it soon became apparent that the the there was a sort of much bigger, more elite scene um, around, and you know there were there were hero, heroes uh, of uh, of fell running um, just on on the in the back garden basically in the Lake District. Um, so where where I grew up wasn't the Lake District; it was the Yorkshire Dales, but just just next door to the Lake District. Um, and in fact, um, on the day I was born, um, my dad did a fell race. So you'll not believe this, but he um, he took my mum to hospital in labour in Kendall um, and left her there <laughs> labouring with me and uh, and then went and did a, a fell race called the Blake Fell Race <laughs> and then came back. And then I was born at 11 o'clock that night. So I think if, yeah, if, if, if ever anyone was destined to be someone who ran in ran in the fells it was it was me the son of the man that left his wife in labor while he did a while he did a fell race um brilliant never mind never mind heroes in the back garden you've got heroes in the front room that's that's a brilliant well, yeah. story and and so then my dad when i was born my dad asked uh, i don't know how much you know about fell running history but he asked joss naylor who's possibly one of the most famous um sort of fell runners uh of the late district uh joss naylor from wasdale he asked him what why what joss was short for and he said oh, it was cumbrian for joseph so so that's why i'm called joseph as well named after joss naylor um the wow. famous famous fell runner um, ah, that's brilliant absolutely and you know what you, you you mentioned there that the the races are quite short but they're very very steep your dad must have been pretty confident at getting up and down and back to the hospital you know? Yeah, exactly. I think it was a, a relatively short race, and he didn't even win it. He was second, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he got the main prize at eleven o'clock that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd like to think so, wouldn't we? Yeah. 
Brilliant. That's and a great story. So, something else you said there, you, you used the term obviously at school. Now, there, a lot of people do running at school, but did you enjoy running at school? Oh, no. I, I mean, I, I was absolutely terrified by it, I think. Um, so, and I, I think this is something actually, I mean, this is a whole different tangent, but I, I think it's something that we need to recognise is that actually competitive running for, for children um, at young ages has the potential to be uh, really quite terrifying. And it's important that we recognise that. Um, I, I, I can remember doing the cross-country races. I don't think I was very good at that sort of thing, actually. So, um, you know, the faster, flatter stuff, um, because... I, I was relatively late developer so I think when I was say when I was 11 12 there were other lads who were like a foot taller than me and mm-hmm. um and would absolutely smash me you know um so I would go to these races um then you know the county championships and the and then the what they call the English schools so these races where there's hundreds of kids running around a muddy field in Luton or something um in the middle of winter um and you'd finish like in the I don't know top 200 if you if you ran well and it's absolutely brutal you know, I, I don't I didn't enjoy that I did not enjoy that um but I felt I had to do it because it you know I guess it was a rite of passage and um it was it was probably the only thing I was good at sport wise to be fair so um and yeah and ultimately I think I have got you know I've obviously got better at running that doesn't just involve going up steep hills um through through hard work and uh, yeah, and a bit of sort of dedication, um, but yeah, it was it was when I went to these races that were yeah probably in parallel really, in the parallel to the cross country races which I really was terrified by, um, and you know, but at the same age, I, I would, in the summer I'd be going off to do these uh, short, sharp up and downhill races and and being much more successful at those. So, and I suppose with anything, you you probably. Na- navigate um, and migrate towards the things that you you do well because by virtue of that you tend to enjoy them more <laughs> so that kind of journey that so you're at school and then you're realizing that you've got this talent i think yeah of running up hills as opposed to running around muddy fields and looting yeah um, did that then transgress into getting more serious about it yeah, I think so. So I think it it became pretty clear that there was a there was a sort of natural lead on from um from these sort of local-ish fell races to, you know, I I think by the age of 13, 14 I was actually doing the sort of English Championship series. Um I think I even yeah, I think I I won the under 14 English Championship series. So not by winning all the races, but by being, you know, in the top few in enough of them to, to yeah. come come on the top of the end um and yeah and then the next step up above that I suppose is is trying to compete for the for the country um and I did that so I've competed for England at under 16 under and under 18 level um and these the the sort of the highest level you could get at that age was was something called the home international so that's Scotland versus England versus Wales versus Northern Ireland I think Ireland send a team as well um and yeah, I think so. That the high, the sort of high point of me as a as a junior was when, at, at the age of seventeen, I actually won the the home international re- representing England. Um, but it was in my back garden. It was in Sedbo where I grew up, and it was literally the perfect race for me. It went straight up the steepest side of a steep hill and straight back down again. You know, so I I, I think on many other courses I wouldn't have won that race, but because it 
it just gave me the opportunity to open up a sort of one and a half minute gap on this kind of uh, gradient that most people would walk but if you could run it and you could run it without sort of standing still <laughs> if you see what I mean um, yeah. then uh, then you could actually make a massive gap and I think still to this day that's what I recognize as being you know the point in a race where I need to maximize my potential <laughs> find the steepest bit and leg it up it basically pretty special though having that close to home isn't it that's pretty yeah and I, I was, I was, yeah it was very I was very proud of that and yeah I've got yeah very strong memories of that that day definitely um and then the next level up I suppose was going to the world the world championships um so that was I went at the age of 19 I went to the world uh mountain running championships in Innsbruck um again running for England because the they were you represented your sort of home nation back in the day it changed in 2009 and became Great Britain teams but then so I went to Innsbruck and actually I mean this was really my first experience of being totally focused on a single event for a long time I think I I took a year out after finishing school I uh, knew I was going to start university in in Dundee in um in October 2002 um, I did. I went to South America for six months. Came back in sort of February, March that year, and then from February through to August, I just focused, and I only had one objective, which was to get as fit as I possibly could for this for the trial race to get on the team, and then to to run in the world um, mountain running championships, which was an uphill race. I don't even know how far it was. Maybe six, seven k, maybe five or six hundred meters of climbing um, through some forests south of Innsbruck in Austria um and at the end of that race I, 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 I despite having definitely had better races I have never been so emotionally overwhelmed because I finished I finished ninth in that race and I just knew for, at the start of the year that if I came in the top 10 I would that would have been you know an absolute massive goal um and yeah it, it was huge and I never ran for England ever again I don't think after that <laughs> because I moved to Scotland and I've run for Scotland ever since you said that you moved to um one well done on achieving all that by the time you're 19 year old i hadn't achieved quite as much as that by the time i was 19 so i can't imagine how it feels but well done on that front but then you moved to dundee yeah that is a a culture shock for many people (laughs) university in dundee yeah, so I started university in Dundee. Um, so I studied medicine. It's a long, long haul. Um, it actually ended up being six years because I did. Uh, you can in, in medical degrees nowadays, you can sort of take one year out in the middle and get another degree. <laughs> um, so I did. I did six years. Five of them were in Dundee. One of them was in Leeds. Um, I went down to Leeds for a year, um, supposedly to do a, a degree, which I got a degree in international health, but. I mean, it was basically a year of, of running for me. Um, that, <laughs> I thought you were going to say a year of partying. <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> a year of running. But it depends how yes. you see your parties. I mean, there was a big party yeah, at the end. Um, so, yeah, so it, yeah, it was a big culture shock. But, you know, and, uh, speaking to you guys, you know, who, who are from that neck of the woods, it's, you know, it's, it, it, it's nice because I... I've had this experience in lots of places. I've had to move around um, a lot with my work and uh, in life in general. 
Um, and if you land in a place and you find the runners, um, it's an immediate sort of access to to a community. And and in Dundee at the time, um, there was a club called the Hawkill Harriers. They still exist. Yeah. Um, mm. strong, historically very strong running club. Um, you know, legendary really with the, the likes of Liz McColgan, Pete McColgan, um, and many others. You know, from from the back in the day when they were doing the sort of Glasgow Edinburgh relays and things like that. Um, but, you know when when distance running was really a huge huge sport in Scotland um and yeah so they took me under their wing I was training with them twice a week um you know some of the some of the legends of uh of yesteryear who were still still turning up and still bashing out the sessions it was a it was a really good time and the, yeah I did most of my running with the with the Hawkill Harriers. I'm sure the Hawkill Harriers were very proud to have you on board because they're bringing a fair bit of running pedigree with you as well and you know did, did you compete for the Hawkill Harriers? Yeah so all the time I was at Dundee I competed for the Hawkill Harriers Um I have had a thing that when I've when it, when I've moved to a new location I've I've tended to want to represent the people that I've trained with Um okay. so um you know um, my friend Grant who's been on the show would give me a bit of stick for this to say you know <laughs> I've been in a lot of different clubs in my life. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was uh, so I was I was Hawkill Harriers until I started uh, working as a junior doctor, and then I was in Edinburgh. So I was with the Hunters Bog Trotters for for a few years, um, and then I moved up to Inverness, and I was with Inverness Harriers. And then uh, since 2013, um, which is quite a long stretch by my standards, um, I've been living just north of Glasgow, at the foot of the Campsie Fells. And I'd be running for Shettleston Harriers. So. They're all my clubs. It's a, it's a good CV. Definitely. Oh, they're all great clubs. You know, I think yeah. they're, they're all clubs that, you, yeah, I mean, I, they're all clubs that have got a real uh, something about them, um, a good social side. Um, Shettleston obviously do a huge amount as well with the with the youth, you know, those big schemes uh, in East End of Glasgow, bringing kids up into um to to be successful at running and i think that's a really important role as well um but yeah all all those clubs have, have been absolute classics and you know as we know the hawkill harriers have, have had a bit of success bringing up uh, young yeah. talent recently with um with um laura muir and uh, and, and alias mccogan of course yeah brilliant so that takes us to you're, you're, we're not finished yet up to the present day this is taking you to, to where <laughs> Um, you're still doing your studies and you, maybe you've graduated, you become your now doctor. But what about since then to present day? Yeah, so I suppose the I can't miss the bit out that's probably the highlight, though. So I was still at university when I had um, sort of my probably feels like a long time ago now, 15 years ago, my sort of probably most successful sort of period of running. Um, I suppose you've got to understand that as a as a doctor, it's it's not always that easy to kind of commit to <laughs> certain targets um, because you get things cut in the way like horrendous spells of night shifts. And um, yeah. yeah, so I've, I've kind of had a, a bit of a sort of famine or feast with my running to some extent. Um, and yeah, there've been long periods of time when I've just had to focus on, on other commitments rather than running. And there, yeah. And then other times when actually I've managed to put together a decent spell and, and had a big target um but fortunately because of that i think i've managed to you know touch wood have not have any sort of major injuries because <laughs> i've basically been forced 
forced into retreat by by my kind of life choice and um other commitments rather than having having done any damage so when i was when i went and did that year in leeds um i basically pitched up in leeds um as a 20 23 year old yeah um halfway through my medical degree knowing that this was going to be a, a slightly easier year for me because um these what they call intercalated degrees are uh, have the potential to be less work than the medical degree itself um, and give you afford you quite a lot more time um, so bigger holidays etc so I pitched up in Leeds joined the, um, the I never actually joined a running club there I joined the university running club um, but not not the not Leeds City Harriers and I basically pitched up there in October 2006 and had my my target set on these world mountain running championships in September um, 2007. Um, so basically that was 11 month build up to a single race. Um, and yeah, it went really well actually. So no injuries, lots of really good quality training, lots of good strength and conditioning. I was supported by Scottish athletics um, in terms of, you know, I got lots of access to physio, strength and conditioning, coaching, stuff like that, even while I was in Leeds. Um, and it culminated in in the race of my life in in Switzerland in on September the 14th 2007 <sighs> um, when I turned up for the world mountain running championships running for Scotland um, so this is yeah there were a lot of European nations but the Africans had started to turn up by this point in um, to this to this event so there were a lot a lot of Eritrean runners who were who were going pretty well um, and I just entered that race with this absolute peace of mind that I was in the place where I wanted to be um, and was, you know, ready to ready to perform. And it was a three lap course. And I got to the end of the first lap um, and Angela Mudge, I don't know if you know Angela Mudge, but she's mm -hmm. a, a hero of Scottish. She counted yeah. me through in 50th place. She said, you're 50th. I was like, this is not what I wanted. <laughs> like, I wasn't aiming for 50th. Um, and then we did the second lap and she counted me through and she said, you're, you're 15th. Um, and then we got to the top of the hill at the end of the third lap and she said, Joe, you're fourth. Um, so I I looked at my splits at the end of it and my splits were totally even. <laughs> All three laps were ex exactly the same pace. Um, and it was just uh, a really extraordinary experience to, to realize that if you pace these things evenly, that's what happens. <laughs> In a, mm. in a three lap mountain race um and yeah again I, I didn't have that sort of emotional kind of overwhelming kind of thing that I had in in Innsbruck um probably just I kind of got a bit older a bit more mature but I was yeah very very happy um even though I was given the same time as the guy that was third so I was <laughs> it was literally a, a sprint finish for 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 the bronze medal and um a full-on kind of dive for the line but I came off um a fraction of a second behind so. I try to think what I was doing in September 2007. It was nothing as momentous as that. I, I I love the fact that when you were telling that tale, I'm going, right, wait a minute, what's, what's the end of this going to be? That's brilliant. But then the fact that that achievement is what you've described about the splits going through that. So you've got to think, to go from 50th to 15th, does that mean that 35 people had shot their boat, they'd really, they'd be, they'd be like the bio of hell and couldn't sustain it, you know? Yeah, that's, well, that's, 
technically they had because that you know my splits were even so whoever <laughs> whoever was ahead of me was definitely slowing down not it wasn't me speeding up <laughs> yeah brilliant um, brilliant yeah that's a, that's awesome and i think to run to simply to run at the world running championships is a feat in itself isn't it you know to to get to that sort yeah of you, you don't you've got it you've got to train pretty hard to get to get onto any of these teams yet yeah yeah i'm i'm, I'm intrigued you know, it's gone I'm intrigued to know as well about does being a doctor help not get injured? Does it help you not to get injured? Have you have you got more of an awareness? Um, I I I wouldn't weigh much. I mean, I I, I'm a pediatrician. I look after children, and um, and more specifically, I'm a pediatric neurologist, so I look after sort of children's brains and nerves and things like that. So it doesn't really. I don't have a sports medicine interest if you see what I mean but um I don't I I guess but I'm a scientist aren't I so I suppose I think about things in a scientific way but so do a huge proportion of runners as well I I think probably you gain a lot more by being an athlete and understand and being an analytical athlete uh, a reflective athlete and and someone who's willing to uh, step back when you need to step back um, and yeah. I think that's where most people go wrong is they're just they're determined that the only way they can get better is by pushing harder. And sometimes what you need to do is the opposite and um, push there's less the, hard. There's this week's golden nugget right there. That's it. That's it. But the, I think, too, you mentioned about being supported by Scottish athletics and you mentioned about the strength and conditioning. How, in physio, how much does that aid you as a runner? Oh, I think, yeah, I think the strength and conditioning especially um, is has been huge. And I'll, I'll be perfectly honest, I, I just cannot fit much of that into my life at, at the moment, you know, because um, it takes a lot of time. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I'll do bits of Pilates, I'll do bits of ankle strengthening with, a, um, you know, one of these TheraBands and stuff. Um, but I, I used to um, do, you know, a, a full kind of... T- two or three times a week, um, hour long um, free weights kind of sessions. And and they would all be supervised. So, you know, I'd have a proper qualified strength and conditioning coach who would be making sure that I was doing it right. Um, so I suppose in, that's positive for me because it meant at the time I was doing it well, but it, 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 make, it certainly puts me off doing it on my own <laughs> because I've never done that. Um, right. And, you know, I always yep. had that security of, someone's making sure that I'm doing this in a way that's going to make me stronger and not going to break me. <laughs> um, yeah, that's quite powerful, isn't it? That regimented approach where you need that discipline because partly because there's somebody watching over your shoulder. And giving yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think and for motivation, it makes it. And I think, you know, for you kind of it's, it's interesting, but, you know, you think of weights as something that big people do, you know, but I think almost as a runner, if you're a light runner, which, you know, I'm so I'm like a, a prime I'm sort of like 56 kilos I, I there's nothing of me and actually the the strength and conditioning is more important because when I'm when I'm running around I'm not actually carrying much around so my legs don't routinely get a lot of um, strength and conditioning work by running you know yeah. um, so as soon as I'm given an extra um, load um, it makes a massive difference to how strong my legs get um, and I, I just I noticed that kind of anecdotally from random things like so the the first time I ever got on the senior men's Scotland team was uh, was set, was in 2005, and 
I actually had had an injury before that. So I think about two months before the trial race, I'd um, slipped in uh, in a hill in Cumbria and uh, hyperextended my knee. So basically my knee bent the wrong way, bent the wrong way and ended up all swollen. And, and basically I couldn't couldn't run for about six weeks. Um, but I went hiking in the Alps at altitude, to be fair, but with a massive rucksack <laughs> and just marching around um around the Alps with this big rucksack doing huge days you know like 40 kilometer days and go pretty quickly and and I hardly did any running and then I pitched up in my Hawkill Harriers vest in in Peebles um to to do this trial race for Scotland and I absolutely flew <laughs> and everybody was there like who who the hell's this guy in Hawkill Harriers like Hawkill Harriers don't have any fell runners <laughs> don't, they don't have any hill runners and um and anyway so that bought me a ticket to to the world championships in new zealand um that year so we're a team, a team they just took four of us because of the journey but four of us went down to uh to wellington and competed and that year so that year i was 17th um in the in the up and down race and so i suppose that's what and again that came out of relatively nowhere um as in i think i had a, a much shorter period of time where i could focus on it because i'd literally done this thing to many been hiking in the alps um, i got on the team and then i had about six weeks to train for this race in New Zealand and I knew it was on the other side of the world and you know when when it was the middle of the day there it was the middle of the night here um and so I was getting myself up as a, so a medical student Dundee second year I was getting myself up at like four in the morning to do hard sessions around uh Camperdown Park in in Dundee um and up, up the hill the observatory hill you know um, the law uh, yeah oh the law yeah but then the observatory as well you know okay. where there's yeah um and then into the yep. uh what do you call those hills the ones to the north um Sidlaws Sidlaws yeah, yeah 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 so I basically did the mental period of about six weeks of training in the very very early hours of the morning so that I could get myself um fit for this thing in um in New Zealand <laughs> and and so it's the 17th there was what made me think right okay I can do this and if I do this properly yeah I can I can definitely get top 10 so Wow, John, we're we're up to two thousand and seven, I think. We've, we've still got. Right. Yeah, still I went got backwards up. there as well. Do you see that? I, I did notice that the, the timeline went because like, I kind of jot a wee timeline yeah. down. Mess, messing with you, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But it's all it's all it's all gold, so it's it's quite okay. Um, what I think what I'm keen to to ask you about is that at some point you also have enjoyed or maybe not enjoyed a wee bit of road running yeah so again i i think primarily i run because i love running and i love being uh-huh. in um i love being in beautiful places um and free in beautiful places you know without much on me you know <laughs> um so for all that hiking in the alps i'd much rather have just a bum bag you know yeah um and and so i think i learned that relatively early in my life that probably through some kind of minor injury you know not running for a while and then getting back in to running realizing well this is the primary reason why i do this but i i am someone who likes to have a sort of goal (laughs) um so i've at various points in my life you know and you you'll hear about my what my goal for 2021 was shortly but um at various points in my life i'm like yep this is going to be my goal so um in 2013 well yeah from about middle way through 2012 my goal was to run a marathon and it's probably just one of those kind of 
egotistical kind of people think you're a runner and they say well what have you done a marathon and then if your answer is four hours but it did go over like three massive mountain <laughs> passes or something you yeah. know people just switch off don't they so it was I just wanted to be able to say yeah I've done a marathon and this is my time because it's you know yeah. and it's reasonably good just... um, but I think also and this was kind of the, the negative bit I I um it was the Commonwealth Games as well so in the back of my mind I was like well if I could run a really fast marathon I might make that 219 qualifying time for um for the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow um and so I I basically spent again the best part of a year just focusing on one race and we chose it was going to be um it was going to be uh, the Rotterdam Marathon so that was April 2013 um so I built up sort of relatively traditionally you know 10k races did in half marathon uh, about uh, six weeks out before before the marathon um I was coached to get so this is the only time I've had a proper kind of structured coaching thing relationship with, with a guy called Lewis Walker um he does some coaching with uh, Edinburgh University mainly now I think um up in the up in the north of Scotland uh what's the name of the place where he lives um begins with b on the north coast you can look that up <laughs> north coast yeah sort of so you go to bucky. um bucky yeah i won the quiz yeah you won the quiz congratulations <laughs> um anyway so he was he was a fantastic support you know so he was he was giving me some epic sessions um you know in, in preparation for a marathon and um i had the guy called uh Falk, who's a, a sort of physio and uh, strength and conditioning guy in uh, in Inverness in a gym there, who was doing lots of work with me as well. Um, and so I did Rotterdam, and I uh, I did two twenty fifty two. That's my time. Two two hours twenty minutes fifty two. Um, so yeah, I was disappointed because I was supposed to be getting sub two nineteen. Um, but actually, I I I'm still glad that actually uh, I've got a decent marathon time. Um, <laughs> and the only thing was shortly after that so later that you know the the strategy was supposed to be to make that my first marathon and do a few more and you know build up to um to to gradually increasing um, the speed or reducing the time Uh, but then we had our first child um moved to glasgow and basically marathon career was over after the first (laughs) but you weighed down that you weighed down that impressive 220 you know and yeah, it sounds like yeah, yeah, no, two nineteen was a yeah. target, but two twenty yeah, is bloody good. <laughs> yeah, and actually, you know, it was a year where it was p- before these bouncy shoes, obviously. So you know, t- you could take another four percent off that nowadays. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I do think that. It's like, oh, if I did that race and, and I was a responder to these shoes, you know, could it be two sixteen? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, um, we'll wait and see. Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now you've mentioned already a few locations quite exotic Camperdown Park you mentioned that. Oh, yeah, quite exotic, so yeah. um where where would you say has been your favorite you've mentioned maybe your most memorable running moment I think or that that race yeah, in September good. 2007 but who's been your favorite place to run yeah I think it would it would have to be somewhere on the west coast of Scotland um I I absolutely love doing the Jura Fell race. So this is a the Isle of Jura. is a it's a special place for us. We we often go there as a family. It's it's, it's bizarre because you um you can get there 
from Glasgow in like three hours. Um, so we will drive to, to a place called Tavalik on the west coast, um, leave the car there, and you can get a, a passenger ferry. Um, a chap called Nickel, who's absolutely huge. He, he must weigh like 20 stone. Um, he drives this boat, gets you over to to uh, to Craighouse and Jura, and then you can be running in the utter wilderness. That's the thing about Jura is it's three hours from Glasgow if you take that way, and uh, and you're just on an island that has 150 people living on it and pure wilderness. And they're pretty desolate hills, you know. They're basically big mounds of scree. <laughs> Um, but I've got so many happy memories from that from that island because I've done the I've done the Paps of Jura, what they call the Isle of Jura fell race. Um, I think four times now. I've run the course many more times because we're often there um, for like camping weekends and things. Um, and then I've run over the Paps another something like eleven times because I do this thing called the Scottish Islands Peaks Race, which is this weird hybrid event where there's sailing and running involved. I've um, heard of that. And you, yeah, yeah. So you, you hop on a boat and you, if you do it like I do, which is an, as a complete non-sailor, you're basically just like transported around from port to port, let off, dinghy to shore, and then you run over the hills. So that involves running over uh, Benmore and Mull, the Paps of Jura, and uh, and then the Goat Fell, up and down Goat Fell on Aaron. It adds up to something like 60 miles of running and in a variable amount of time because most of which is determined by how long the sailing goes which itself is determined by how strong the wind is and which way it's blowing and stuff yeah um but yeah so i love that event and i love and i love jura is uh you know it's got something like five thousand deer and 150 people on it so um, yes yeah, a special place yeah a lot of people go back to that the jura fail race don't they you know <laughs> It's uh it's very popular and I think it's one of these iconic races for people who yeah, need yeah. to hold on there. Yeah. Did yeah. I see on Facebook just recently that they kind of reannounced it's happening this year? Yeah, yeah. So they they have said it was happening this year. Yeah. So it it obviously didn't happen last year. It didn't happen the year before. Mm-hmm. Um. Last yes, the year before obviously was because they planned to have it happen, but it was May 2020 and we're still in lockdown. Um, last year, I think because there's so many overheads involved in organising it, they had to commit relatively early whether they're going to do it or not, which yeah. is what we found with a lot of races this year is, you know, they're trying to make that judgment. Um, whereas this year, they've fortunately been confident enough that, that they'll be able to go ahead. Did I also the see in the same post that there was a bit of appeal looking for people to help in yeah. the staging and organising of it because it was a bit of a quite a tall order for for one person who actually didn't reside in the area and um, maybe yeah, yeah so up. i think it's this weird thing that it's uh the isle of jura obviously it doesn't have a huge um running club because uh-huh. there's only 150 people there of course. You know, and only only two or three of them actually run um so it's all organized by i think historically it's been organized by dark peak fell running club which is um sheffield sort of yeah. Sheffield based Peak District based so huge huge running club down in the in the Pennines um and and that's why it's the only I think it's the only hill race in Scotland that's called a fell race because it's basically organized by an English club there you um, go I did wonder that the Josh Naylor thing we're getting the yeah. yeah brilliant absolutely brilliant okay I need to go run in Jura
organization if you want <laughs> oh yeah that too I, I just want to add my most memorable thing of Jura is because because this race involves um boats and running yeah you have no idea when you're going to land on these mountains yeah so often I've run over those paps at like in the middle of the night been landed on the island at 11 o'clock at night and um and then you know it takes about three four five hours depending on who you're running with how seasick they've been and stuff um but there was one there was one year that it had been so dry we'd had like weeks on end of no rain and we were running in the middle of the night over these screes and uh and there were just sparks flying everywhere and it's, it's these moments on the hill that you, that you've i've never experienced anywhere else it's just you're running down these screes and just tiny little sparks are flying as the rocks are running into each other um, wow yeah that's one of those sort of um that that i don't know if that's it's never happened to me and i don't know how often that, that would happen um, in in general but sparks flying on a dark yeah hill running oh, yeah, on the dark magic, yeah. quite you just need to spend some time running in the dark on the paths i think steve yeah 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 let's do it man john yeah I'm all anything. I'm in for anything. And if, if there's going to be sparks flying, we're the boys to take care of that, man. I think too. Well, Joe, I would love to speak about last year, 2021. Yeah, yeah, that's a good plan. You, you, you did something quite momentous last year. Um, so let's speak. How, how are we going to go with this? There was part of. We can speak about the fundraising, but let's talk about the challenge that you set yourself first of all. So let's speak about. Yeah, so that. I mean, I, I did. I, I I set the challenge and I started the challenge and kind of proceeded with the challenge long before um before the tragedy that led to the fundraising. To be honest, okay. because okay. um I I started at the start of the year um and I think again you've got a flavour that I'm the kind of person that. Um, likes having targets and is motivated by yeah. by targets um, and you know that's that works for me uh, and 20 the start of 2021 was difficult because there was there was no foreseeable target for a for a, a, a competitive runner uh, you know we we had no idea when the next race we could do would be did we um, and and we'd been through this before um, albeit for a limited period in the you know, the year before the there had been some races the season had got going and then sort of imploded halfway through um, because of the timing of those those lockdowns whereas this year the start of the year began in a pretty intense lockdown we had um, you know I think we were restricted to only traveling five miles from home and you know, only essential workers could, could leave that's the way 21 began um, and I think for most people in the country that was it had the potential to be really make you feel really claustrophobic you know entrapped um in a in a small area and i guess i i'm lucky because where i live backs onto some some pretty decent hills to run in um like literally straight out of the door but i suppose i saw this as an opportunity to you know to get to know that area better by literally just forcing myself to run in the hills all the time um, and yeah part of me was probably like I had a couple of years when I hadn't I'd kind of generally dipped in fitness because I'd been quite busy um, with work and things and so I'd, I'd, I needed some kind of target to get myself fitter um, and I wanted something to keep myself motivated and um, so I, I got this idea at the start of the year that I would 
go up each of the three nearest 500 meter uh, hills to my house um, 100 times each in the in the calendar year. Um, and so I just started clocking them off from the, from the very beginning of, of January. Um, knowing that it was going to be a reasonably tall order, but but manageable, you know, I had a whole year to do it. Um, but you're basically talking about, you know, totting up a reasonable amount of uh, climbing and distance just to, just to achieve that. And and so, yeah, effectively three hills um, 300 days. And um, so you're basically going to have to do each one um, on average. Uh, every three days, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So, can, can I just say that that was a reasonable amount of climbing? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's keep that relative because that's only reasonable to you. That's totally not reasonable to me. Yeah. So, it, I mean, I did add it all up at the end of the year, um, but maybe we can come on to that later <laughs> if you yeah. want the actual stats. Because <laughs> there's a lot of people who won't be outside their house for 300 days of the year. Seriously, there, there is. Yeah. I mean, that's a it's a pretty heavy commitment to do that and to to go up a hill, um, well, the same hill a hundred times. Yeah. A lot of people won't do that in their lifetime, but to do that times three in a year is quite an astonishing, yeah. quite an astonishing feat. You did say earlier on you like you like a challenge, you like yeah. setting yourself a goal. Was it? What was your expectation at the start of the year? Did you know this was going to stretch it? Well, so I, yeah, I knew it was going to stretch me. I knew it was going to have to involve getting up, you know, because I've got three kids. I've got a job to get to, you know, I'm a technically an essential worker. So, you know, I, I actually had to go in to work. Um, and I yeah, knew it was going to involve having to get up very early a lot of days uh, and get up very early in grim weather, you know, because we live in the west coast of Scotland. Um, but I think that's one of the positive things about it is that it actually forced me to experience those hills in every type of condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the, the real positive things about the whole experience for me is, you know, there, there were days when literally I was set my alarm for 20 past five um, and ran into blowing rain into my face, you know, unable to see anything, just the light of my head torch reflecting back off the mist you know um but then you, you that experience is maybe the first few minutes of it is grim but you kind of adapt to it and you see positives in it and 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 i think you probably have to have that experience to uh, to really get the most out of the the opposite which is when you're up there and there's a stunning you know temperature inversion pushing the cloud down and you just feel like you're um, floating in this sort of moonscape above the world so I've been I've been in those hills in every condition and you know I think they're there there's quite a lot of wildlife up there you know I mean, this isn't a wildlife podcast but you know you, <laughs> they, you, there's uh, I've kind of learned to appreciate the birds and the foxes and the hares that you come across up there and uh, yeah it's, you feel like you're not alone because I, I was really as a human I was alone nearly every time I ran in those hills and what in terms of did you did you get bored ever no i didn't get no. bored no yeah no. because you know it's sometimes doing the same route over and over yeah. again but yeah i suppose that's another thing they weren't they weren't actually it wasn't the same route you can do them all slightly different ways so there's a okay. lot of variability and so it became a bit of a challenge to sort of 
be inventive about about routes as well there's, there's a funny thing about these hills these campsies so they you know they're just 10 miles north of glasgow um they rise to 576 meters the highest one they'll see so then you know they're not huge um but you know there's quite a, there's a, a whole load of them that are over 500 meters um but there's very few paths through them you know so they, you're not confined to certain routes because there are no routes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and it's weird because, you know, you think, well, you know, they're actually they're quite nice hills, you know, um, and you get great views from them and, you know, you get peace and tranquility, which is what most people go walking in the running in the hills for anyway. But it's because if you go if you keep going north from the campsies, you get to places that are more dramatic. So I think a lot of a lot of the humans of Glasgow bypass the uh, bypass the campsies and go to the Trossachs or Ben Lomond or whatever. So they end up relatively unfrequented and um, and no one's made any paths in them. <laughs> so, yeah, just a few sheep trods. But the route trods. variability is good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, loads of sheep trods, cattle trods, and they're quite good to follow. So. Yeah, sounds fun. I can imagine oh, yeah. the fox. I'm glad I can imagine, like it. <laughs> I can imagine the fox in the morning going, all right, Joe. Must have known you by the time you're getting on. And, you know, oh man, I saw some incredible things. I saw two foxes working as a team to to um one morning, early in the morning, there were two foxes cornering a pheasant. I think it was a pheasant, and they were kind of working as a team, like something from David Attenborough, you know, in a uh, wild dog hunting pack or something. They were they were working to corner this. this you pheasant. need to do the, the David uh, Attenborough impression now. Of the camps. <laughs> In the campsies. <laughs> nah, <laughs> nah. Um, yeah, so uh, th- but there's some pretty rough bits of these hills, as in, um, yeah, they're, they're, I mean, they're all generally rough, but then there's some absolutely horrendous bits. And, you know, uh, Graham O'Donnell, who's been on your podcast, he, he, like, he lives just um, uh, four miles uh, up the road from me. And so he runs in these in these hills a lot as well. And we have some yeah, we have some good jokes about which are the absolute worst bits of these these fells, you know, the places where you really do not <laughs> do not want to go. But then you end up going because it becomes a bit of a challenge to, yeah, to find when that. You say, when you say that they're hellish, <laughs> do you mean by the, the terrain or, or the steepness? Oh yeah, no, just the terrain. They, yeah, I mean, the, the front face of them gets quite steep. They're not the steepest. They're not the steepest hills uh, in Scotland by any means. Um, uh-huh. it's just the yeah, it's the it's the underfoot conditions. You know, just yep. you drop through these really damp bits of bog. Um, and yeah, tussocks. You know, kind of little mounds of heather and stuff. Yep. And peat hags as well, where it suddenly just drops off and you end up um, you know, landing in big Losing patch a leg. Of peat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And then, but but the the corollary to that is, you know, in I can't, don't know if you remember, the, but those there was a period of January February uh, in 2021 um, where we just had this prolonged cold period and quite a lot of snow. Um, and when 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 the hills get covered in compacted snow, all of that disappears, and it, literally for a few weeks it was like a it was like running on a road up there, um, an icy road. Um, so I didn't. Yep. I, for about six weeks in a row, all the runs I did were um, with some with little dobs, you know, little metal dobs. So they're not spikes, but they're little metal protrusions um, on your on your shoes. So you you can get shoes that have these things on them. Um, you know, the the next step up from them is these micro spikes things that yep. actually slip over the top. But I never actually needed to use those. Um, and yeah, it's great running in the hills like that. But then you expect it to be like that every winter, and this winter yeah. has just been like. <laughs> 
yeah, warm opposite. and damp. Yeah. Rubbish. Yeah. I'm amazed. Obviously, it's a different mindset to be enjoying that kind of stuff. But that's where you are, and that's what you do, and it's that's when that's your passion to do that. For yeah, some yeah. people, some people thinking. Mm, yeah, you're not selling shoes. it, Joe. No, no, but, but there, there are some people like me who are thinking if I've got to put something in my shoes, yak tracks or that, I might just no bother. But it's yeah. something, it's, it's something that you enjoy, and you've you've articulated that really, really well. Yeah. I'd like to. I know, suppose it's about it's about you know I, you know I don't mountains are not there to be conquered, and I, you know I don't like that attitude of kind of I've done mm-hmm. that you know as in. So that I, I was there, the primary objective was to just experience those mountains and okay, I happened to be tallying them and, you know, and ultimately it became a, a positive thing because by, by promoting the fact I was tallying them, I was able to raise some money for a good cause. Um, but, you know, I think it's, yeah, they, they, they weren't there to be conquered, but I was there, I, I was going up those hills uh, to experience them and I needed to have the right kit to, to allow me to do that um and for for yeah for about six weeks if you didn't have those shoes with the little spiky bits on then you'd be on your ass <laughs> a lot yeah 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 well we'll we'll speak about kit and favorite bit of running kit we'll definitely come to that but i'd like to you just mentioned there about um raising money for a good cause so and you mentioned earlier on and we started speaking about yeah so i mean this is a, helps, so it's yeah. a very sad tale so um a, a very good friend of mine who who actually i met You've kind of heard my whole life here, so um, that's what I went, for. Yeah, yeah. So, so when I went to Leeds, um, you know, there's only five minutes left in this meeting. Is it going to? Um, it's going to keep going, is it? Yeah. Don't you oh, worry about that. We'll just oh, yeah. dismiss that. Stephen will. All right, dismiss that. that fine. Dismiss. I'll dismiss um, that. So, uh, so I went to Leeds. You know, I went to Leeds in 2006. Yeah. For, supposedly to to get this degree, but also to. <laughs> to get to the world championship ulterior motives yeah but the the first day the first day i arrived there um i on this course there's only about 30 of us so medical students from different uh different universities because this course you could only do it in leeds um and i met this girl polly who was um from sheffield so medical student there um and you know immediately the conversation turned to to fell running because she had got into fell running um, through being into, into sport at uh, a university in Sheffield and joined the the Dark Peak, um, who we also spoke about, um, mm. the, the fell running club that organised the Jura Fell Race. Um, so we we became very good friends through um, through the shared interest in international health, medicine, and uh, and fell running. Um, so so yeah. So then she ended up training in paediatrics as well. So basically long-term long-term friend who had similar interests and she worked with me in Inverness and she worked with me in uh, in Glasgow for many years um but then you wouldn't know this as in to and most people did not know this um that she suffered from really severe depression um and she was extremely good at uh at not giving that away um I think um she was had this extraordinary capability um, of kind of keeping that side um, hidden, certainly from all the people she worked with, but also people who knew her really well, you know, like me, you know, I'd known her for, what, 15 years um, and more. And yet, oh, I did know that she had depression, but it wasn't something that you um, would 
be thinking about when you thought about her sort of thing. Um, and she then had a really troubled time. And I don't know how much of it was to do with, you know, the impact of the, the pandemic um, or how much was to, you know, to do with the restrictions that we had. Um, and she'd certainly had some disappointments in terms of um, career um, not quite progressing the way she wanted it to. Um, and so she she fell into a really deep depression, um, the really beginning at the end of 2020. Um, and she made a, a couple of attempts on her life. And unfortunately, she was successful um, on March 24th, um, 2021. So, yeah, really, really tragic. Um, and yeah, I just following that, I think slowly, gradually, it dawned on me that probably what I was doing, I ought to do um, as a dedication to her, you know, as a sort of um, it just felt like the kind of thing. So I spoke at her funeral um, in the, which was in the Eden Valley, in a, in a place called Kirby Stephen. And one of the things I said, you know, I, I spoke to my wife about, you know, kind of things that we would say about about Polly. And one of the things I, I said was that she she was someone who loved uh, challenges, adventure challenges, and she would she would always push herself beyond her limits and she would encourage others to do the same. Um, and I, I don't know, something subliminal about that made me think, well, maybe that's what she's been doing with me in this challenge, you know, pushing me to uh, beyond my limits. And so it became a gradual, it probably gradually dawned on me that it, it would be a positive thing to do to announce towards the end of the year, because I didn't want to sort of prolong this kind of interest in me <laughs> running up these hills. So from, from the beginning of December, I announced that I was doing it um, as a, as in memory of Polly, and I was going to uh, encourage people to donate to the Scottish Association of Mental Health. Um, and I, th I saw that as a, so this was now, um, you know, quite a few months after, you know, um, after the event. But it just felt like a good time for people, Polly's friends, her uh, colleagues, um, to have another opportunity to reflect and appreciate what an incredible life she had. Um, you know, so she she was quite an extraordinary doctor in that she she traveled um to loads of african countries she went and as soon as the ebola um pandemic hit she basically um the epidemic of ebola in um in sierra leone i forget which year it was now i think it was 2014 15 um, she just announced she was going to go there and help all these people in this awful situation um dying of ebola um, and then she she went back to Africa several times to sort of do some similar um, uh, relief work uh, as a as a pediatrician. Um, so it just gave me an opportunity to sort of highlight her achievements um, again um, to people that knew her, um, and but also have a sort of open conversation about mental health. You know, because um, I think there's a whole load of people who are probably similar, as in suffering, um, but not comfortable talking about it and I think if we can do one thing in, as a legacy it is encourage people to talk about mental health and um, so that was that was my objective and I think yeah yeah as sort of small contribution to, to that I think um yeah you've you've done something amazing and and thank you so much for um for, for sharing that that story with us um yeah it's, that, that was I was quite emotional listening to it so um th thank you 
so so much for being so open. And I think the the point that you made at the end around about mental health, around about checking in with people, it's a week this week where that term Blue Monday that has yeah, been yeah, associated yeah. with this week is um, a time of year and things like that. It's not a term that I'm a particular fan of myself, but um, it, it it has. It, it does get the conversation going and started and stuff like that. But you know what you did last year was yeah phenomenal. Um, you should be proud not only of the achievement and running up those hills a hundred times, but the the reason for doing it is um, yeah really powerful. Thank you. Yeah, I would agree with that wholeheartedly, Stephen. And I think too. The thing I take from what you've just said was the deep love that you had for Polly as well. It was obviously a very, almost like an instant relationship you developed, you know, through that lover running and your your medicine and your year in Leeds as well, that, uh, yeah. that, that year you're having. So, yeah, but you've turned what is a tragedy, and you've spoken about it really well there, but you've also raised helping to raise that awareness of that conversation about people checking in and not being afraid to have a conversation, you know. So thank you very much yeah. for that, Joe. Thank you very much. And well done for raising so much money. You're well over £6,000 now, I believe. So Yeah, yeah. 6700 Yeah, well, I mean, since we're on the podcast, just giving <laughs> Joe Simmons that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll still open that if anybody in. wants to donate. <laughs> Definitely. We'll, oh, we'll you, certainly we'll share a link that. in if you want, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah we definitely will. <laughs> I think that's such a good point about the checking in. I mean, I've, I've obviously I I've had a reasonable um, previous experience of, of of suicide in that my 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 father's mother died of suicide when he was a child, and one of our neighbours um, died of suicide when uh, about seven years ago. Um, so, uh, but you know, not a huge amount of experience with with mental health. It's not an area of medicine that I routinely deal with, although I you know have um, some of my patients um, do do uh, have psychiatric needs. I um, I think I've, I've read a few books about this recently, and I think what the most important message is to do with what you were saying, both Stephen and John, is about checking in. You know, as in you know, offering people who you think are struggling, you know, company. Um, because I think there's a there's an instinct to think that when people are feeling low, they don't want <laughs> they don't want company. Um, but having read the experiences of people who have been severely depressed what they actually do uh, crave company um, and mm-hmm. it, it can be really positive and that you know that's something that we can all do it's not there's nothing complex about it um it's just uh, you know checking in with people and offering to be with them if they're struggling yeah sticking the kettle on having a cup of tea in a chat yeah, yeah yeah definitely okay joe i've we mentioned about kit i spoke about yak tracks you've already mentioned that fell runners favorite bit of kit the bum bag right the bum bag, talking, sorry. We're, <laughs> not, bum we're bag. not talking about race vest nothing like that we're talking about <laughs> that bum bag what, what <laughs> has been and you know you've got quite a long running career we spoke about you running up these short sharp hills as a kid through from then to now what's been your favorite bit of running kit the thing you couldn't do without this sounds like a cop-out but am i allowed to say the buff Hundred percent. Oh yeah. The buff is absolutely huge for me. So I uh, I put one on my head, obviously as a hat. But 
in the winter I had I have a sort of furry buff a uh, sort of extra insulated one that goes around my neck um, and some of the you know for that period when I was in the spiky shoes um, I could not have done without that that came back sort of a solid kind of <laughs> you know how it is you know? someone's been in the arctic just this absolute solid thing around my neck um, and but then I've taken to wearing one around my waist as well so this is this is a um, this is genius so um, they do get stretched a bit but so you you put a tube around your waist and then in that I carry my phone um, and I carry a couple of you know gel bars type things to keep me going um, and it's hilarious because I did um, I was talking about the home international races um, which are these Scotland versus England versus Wales Northern Ireland uh, races I, I competed for Scotland in this the September just gone um, in the home international um, and they had a kit requirement for this race it was only 10k up and down a hill you know didn't go anywhere um, remote um, but a lot of these races have a kit requirement um, of you know in extreme conditions you have to wear carry full body cover um and lots of you know enough food for if you get stuck map compass whistle for navigating um but for for, for some of these less extreme ones they cut the kit requirements so for this one um, they said well you know it's a nice sunny day you're not going anywhere remote you just need to carry a a waterproof um so every all this scotland team had these giant bum bags for this one flimsy waterproof that they needed to carry and i was like guys you just need the buff so roll up roll up your waterproof and stick it in your in the buff so you you fold the buff over yeah, yeah. you put it around your waist and then you fold yeah. it over to turn it into a tube like a flip um, belt yeah the flip belt. so the so the entire scotland team were just wearing this buff around their waist um and we won we were victorious in the men's and women's and you know in 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 some small part it was probably because we were we were carrying the buffs yes so Joe, Joe made the Scottish team aerodynamic by yeah, putting a exactly. buff around his base. Like the Graham O'Brien of hill running. <laughs> <laughs> he never used washing machine parts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I can't wait to see, because John likes a picture on his social media stuff uh, of okay, him yeah. and, and stuff. I can't wait to see John with a buff around his waist. <laughs> I am. Yeah. I'm really I mean, you, looking forward to it. You do damage it, it if, unless you've got a very thin waist. You do <laughs> yeah. stretch it. You know, it's, well, it's not it's not for your head after that. Joe um, mentioned yes. Joe mentioned he's 56 kilos, right? So I'm I'm maybe going to stretch that. I take it the sewing machine and maybe throw two together before. Oh, you <laughs> you'll fucking stretch but, uh, it, I mean, all right? But I'll do it, Stephen. I'll do it. I don't want to bring it back to tragedy, but the um, I, I, there was one there's one thing that I do think is um, if we're talking about running in hills in you know in the dark in the wind and the rain, I um, I definitely had a change of uh, approach um after uh, I had a friend Chris Smith who died, yep. um you you'll know about Chris um in the in the Glen Lyon Hills um so he he competed with me um for Great Britain at mountain running, um we had a few trips together. Um, phenomenally strong athlete um, and sadly it was my my father-in-law was actually the, the last man to see him alive um, because they happened to be staying in the um, in the cottage next door in Glen Lyon when when Chris set out on that on that run um, at three o'clock in the afternoon and I think one you know there's certain things that you you can little things that you can carry to keep yourself safe and one is a sort of waterproofed um, fully charged mobile phone and um, so should you have any kind of accident 
and um, so that gets slipped into my into my buff um, and if I'm going anywhere further I'll make sure I've got uh, food um, you know plenty of warm waterproof clothes um, and a survival bag one of these lightweight survival bags so yeah um, yeah. So that's just a, a little a little point. You probably had this conversation on the show before, but no, but I don't think we can have it enough. Um, yeah, we have uh, spoken about the Chris Smith Memorial Fund before, Stephen. You you mentioned that it was yep, on the anniversary, wasn't it? Yep. So. yep. And I just noticed today that they tweeted that they were, it was a last call for their next batch of applicants um, to be considered oh, wow. for the next round of funding from mm-hmm. the, the the legacy fund that that's been created, um, and the applications closed by the twenty fourth of January. So just a wee reminder for that really <laughs> um, Led you fantastic that. initiative as well. Yeah. Cool. Okay, listen. Yeah, uh, what, what a guy, good lad. He was a really good lad. Ah, uh, yeah, been lucky. No, I never had the pleasure. Yeah, yeah. We are rattling through some brilliant content here, but mm. I think we've got to come to the point now, Joe. Here we ask it. What's next for you after 2021? That was a hell of <laughs> hell of a lot of running and elevation you did. What's if what, if you're wait, if you're able wait, to? What was the total to elevation? Ah, oh, yeah, you want the stats? Come on, lad. Yeah, right, so. John, shut so up. The, <laughs> okay. So the um, the elevation total um, was, so this comes with a slight caveat in that I did not take the most efficient route, you know, as in sometimes I ran a lot further than I needed to to connect up these hills um, and did many more hills. In the, but but any, yeah, any run that involved going over one of those three, um, so that's what I've added up. And the total elevation was 121,113 metres. Right. So yeah, just over 120,000 metres. Uh, the distance was uh, 2,486 kilometres. OK. Yeah. And the time was 246 hours. Uh, and that was just the time you spent in 2021 doing that challenge. That was yeah the- yeah so i mean that's about distance wise it was about half of my running so okay. you know I, I i did some more i didn't just run up those hill um, and yeah, yeah. I, li- I, I live 20k from work so you know sometimes i run to work and back and that's 40k um uh and but it was about two-thirds of my elevation you know so I, yeah right. most most of the climbing i did was over one of those three hills yeah. and, and remind us how high everest is uh, Everest is 8,800 meters, I think. So I think yeah. total it was 13.6 Everests. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen, I've got the I've got the conversion, Stephen. The distance in miles, because I know you're, you like your miles. I do. Oh yeah, the miles. Yeah. It was 1,544 miles. The elevation in feet, 397,352 oh. feet. I should have added next to us. 3,000 oh, feet. So disappointed you didn't get to the yeah. 400,000. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Joe, no, we're kidding. That's, um, yeah. I, I look at my own um, elevation stats from last year to put that into per- some perspective. So, awesome. I'm, I'm going to disregard Joe's total as motivation for me this year because I think I'm not going to touch anything like that. But I'm doing my best. I'm doing my yeah. best. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, bro- right. Brilliant stats. On to what's next, because I am gagging to hear yeah. what's in store. Well, this is supposed to be a closely guarded secret. But how many people listen to this? <laughs> oh. 600,000. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I was talking about the uh, the marathon. 
and how I, I did it in the old school days with uh, with simple shoes. Well, I've, I have actually entered a marathon. Um, so, so I've entered the Loch Ness Marathon. So that's partly, so that's not an official PB course. So that puts the pressure off trying to get a PB. Yeah. Um, uh, and I, I may uh, have a little boost to, just to, just to have interest to see if I'm a responder to the, to the, uh, the carbon Oh, has, has, has your Ooh. friend has your friend Grant told you about the term schwanker? <laughs> no, he has not. Has, you've not mentioned that. Okay, Stephen is the king of the schwankers. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not the king of the schwanks. <laughs> honestly, I'm not. I know people who are more deserved holders of that title than me. Yeah, but but amongst John and I, I'm the king of the schwanks. Yeah. So, so what's the what's the Oxford definition of this one? So it's just a um, a shoe wanker. Is ah, yeah. spends <laughs> um, spends too much time and money um, researching and then choosing and procuring trainers. <laughs> yeah, we all know people like that. They're all actual however, wankers. Real life however, on the on the back of that, though, to put some positivity in here, you had a very yeah. good experience in London, Stephen, didn't you? I did. I did. I. I I had the first dip into the carbon oh, nice. yeah. in London in October, and yeah, they seemed to. I seemed to respond okay to them. Whether there was a bit of placebo effect in there, I don't know, but I'm taking it. So um, yeah, yeah, they really. Um, have you tra- have you tried out a pair before? Um, I have. I have now got a pair, and right. I've been for a little yeah. jogging them, so yeah. just to see what they feel like. So for me, they felt. A, a little alien on that first run out in them, um, but I soon yeah. in a good way. Do you know it was like they were kind of helping. Joe, me. Joe, I think you may be a schwanker, and the reason I'm saying <laughs> that, the reason I'm saying that is because when you when you were speaking about them there, I could see your eyes looking across the room to where they actually are. <laughs> you love that baby. is not true. <laughs> I bet they're still sitting in the box. Yeah. No, that's yeah. cool, man. Listen, we wish you the very best of luck, and we'll keep an eye out. When's that's, what? That's, yeah. that's October. That's October the second. So it's yeah. the same day as London, isn't it? So um, it is. Yeah, uh, October the second. But be- prior to that, I'm gonna. Uh, that's a long time away. So I've got I've got sub targets before then, and um, the big one is going to be <clears throat> the trial race for the European uh, uphill mountain running championships. Um, so that's the 20th of May. Uh, so I'm going to focus on for the next few months. I'm going to focus on uphill running uh, as a novelty, okay. right? <laughs> so get, let me get this straight. Is that a race that starts at the bottom of the hill and finishes at the top? Yeah, yeah. So they start uphill yeah. only. Yeah. yeah. So my my big my big successes in the in the um, world before have been up and down routes. Yeah. Um. And 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 I think probably to some extent is because I've <clears throat> I've somehow worked out a good judgment of pace as in and i think if unlapped courses if you're good at pace judgment you can because people just get overexcited on the first lap and blow up um <clears throat> whereas it, it's a little bit trickier on a on a sort of a to b uphill only race um and yeah i think brits in general you know any type of brit um is tends to relatively outperform europeans and africans when it comes to running down rough stuff um, so if there's if there's a descent, if there's a bit of a hairy descent involved in a race, um, I think just because you know we're used to running a relatively rough terrain, yeah. um, we tend to do a little bit better. So, ah. um, 
so it's a, yeah it is a tougher it is a tougher ask i think the highest i did the european champs back that year in 2007 uphill only um and it, i think i was 26th or something so brilliant oh man i'll be watching your your strava activities with a, a yeah. fair bit of interest on, exciting, on that one exciting stuff i know that certainly that um the better kilometer type stuff that's very very popular isn't it so yeah yeah so that's the, so there's there's this whole sort of newfangled sort of a uh, uh trendy sport that's come along really since i got into um into mountain running um so it used to be relatively sort of traditional thing organized by something called the world mountain running association and it grew out of fell running and and the, the italian uh sort of equivalent to that um but really since maybe the uh since the millennium definitely you know maybe 2008 9 it kicked off the, you then got these sort of sky series and mm-hmm. you know the trail running scene got huge and and out of that came these vk as well so now there's there's a whole kind of much wider spread of options for people who like running sort of on on different terrain um and, and in mountains than, yeah. than they used to be and i suppose then does that then like favor people who specialize in one aspect you know so you get these people who can run up a hill fast but are not so fast down a hill yeah. or, or it, it allows you to focus on something that you're uncomfortable with or you're do you know that's my weakness so i'm actually going to expose myself to just running up a hill because you know and then yeah. i can think it's quite an in- interesting mm. Um, yeah i think you have to do be. both don't you i think like I think oh, yeah. when, when i've when i've done when i've been at my best i've kind of manipulated the things i'm strong at which are you know running hard up a hill that's too steep for most people to run up at all <laughs> uh, <laughs> but also i really work hard on my descending which is a relative weakness um, and right. but when i've worked on it hard I, i've been you know i've got to the point where i've been as good as anyone i think um, and certainly unless it's really really rough um Brilliant. so yeah but that's that's a lot harder work for me john i think i might go for the world tailwind running championships can it you can only oh, yes. run it when you've got like a 60 mile an hour tailwind promenade my big challenge of 2022 is now to get a buffer in my waist that's what i'm going for that's what i'm <laughs> aiming for now that's now good john <laughs> A couple of weeks back, John put his sort of 2022 goals up on um, for accountability's sake on his socials. And now <laughs> they've all been scrapped. It's just yep. get a buffer in my waist. <laughs> yeah. Right. Listen. Listen, I'll get there, man. I'll get there. Um, we've got we've covered a lot of stuff tonight, but oh, one thing you, one thing we haven't covered yet. We've got two things left to speak about, and one of them oh, yeah. is one of them is dialect dictionary, Stephen. Yeah, the first one is dialect dictionary. So um, dialect dictionary. Oh, yeah, this was on your um, your questions. Don't hope this is not a surprise yeah, yeah, yeah. to you. Yeah, that's cool. And oh, we no, just no, like to, we like to ask all our our guests on the Young Hearts Run Free podcast for a, a submission into our dialect dictionary, which is a word or phrase that you've um, maybe where you came from or some you've you've lived in a lot of places, something you've picked up along the way. So over yeah. to you, Joe, for your submission. Ah, it's interesting as a Cumbrian who's now lived, you know, exactly half my life in Scotland, because a lot of words that you think are Cumbrian actually turn out to be Scottish words as well. Oh, yeah. But there's one word 
there's one word that I grew up with that I don't think does get used in Scotland. Um, and it's a it's a ginnel. Do you know what a ginnel is? No, I think I do. Be- only because Mel Sykes, a previous guest, was talking oh, about a ginnel. Uh, a and she's from Holmfirth. Is that right? Uh, it's another is that where Lassie yeah, yeah. is? Holmfirth. And Holmfirth, it, yeah. Is it a, a, like an alleyway or a lane? Yeah, yeah, it's a, a narrow alleyway, yeah. So that right. got used a lot when I grew up as a sort of, you know, go up that ginnel there if you want to get on the run. So can I submit ginnel if it's not been submitted before? 100% ginnel. Yeah. Is in. <laughs> Stephen, give it, what's a, what's a Perth equivalent? Is that a um, close? Penned. Penned venal. Venal. In Perth, they've got like meal venal. Um, and they've Pop got venal. Yeah, and it depends on the name of the venal as to what profession um, belonged there in medieval times. So yeah, we're, we're so we the, do uh, the gold, the wasn't there? There was yeah, a gold. Yeah. I yeah. can also count to ten in Cumbrian sheep counting language, though, if you want do that. It. Yantan, tether a mether a pimp, sether a lever a hover a dover a dick. That is in the dialect yeah. dictionary. That's Brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely. This is wonderful, man. Okay. So apparently I, the history of that is because if they counted sheep, they'd fall if they counted in English, they'd fall asleep, because that's what you need to fall asleep. So they invented a new a new language. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea if you're making that up or if that's true, Joe. But I love it anyway. I love it anyway. I'm going now, to you are our first live contributor to this next feature uh-huh. that we've got. We're starting right. off. We're starting off a Young Hearts Run Free Spotify playlist. Stephen and I have put a few in. We're not going to tell folk what we chose. They're in there for your pleasure. Uh And the idea behind this is that people can, we'll give them, we'll put the link in the show notes to the playlist and people can choose to go and they can run. They can listen to us on the way out and they can listen to the playlist on the way back or they can mix it up, do whatever they want. Uh We've asked some guests as well if they want to, put anything in but you're the first person live on the show that's going to choose the first track that's going to go wow this this is pressure it's an honor so you take it's an honor yeah you're only allowed one you may think you've got two three lined up you can only choose one so what's going to happen well i hope this is okay um because i know that ian brown has had a bit of bad rep recently with um his old covid (laughs) Uh, attitude but you know I was talking about um, how I'd like to have a big focused uh, target um, and and that race in 2007 October the 14th 2007 um, I knew that that was my moment kind of like everything had gone well I was primed for the prime for the race and so immediately before the race I played this is the one by the stone roses and it's just the the most incredible sort of psyched tune for me now um yep. just you know just simply because you know it felt like that was the one um so it's a sort of ultimate psych up tune for me oh <laughs> yes what a I first entry i cannot think of a better first entry i love that tune as well a absolutely huge fan. fantastic yeah me too thank you thank you so <laughs> got a half decent playlist to start with <laughs> yeah brilliant oh man wow. i'm now i'm now got that earbud in my head and i'm really happy about it <laughs> So whilst he's going and trying to buff around his waist in the next two minutes, he'll also hear that song this on. This is the yeah. one. This is the one. This is the one. 
Okay, let's bring it back, man. Let's bring it back. Oh, right. Joe Simons, it has been our absolute pleasure to have you on to speak to you tonight. Thank you so very much. What a rich, rich no running history. You started off telling us about your dad going away and doing a run while your mum was in labour with you and you've filled in all the blanks along all the way. Absolutely brilliant. We've touched on some quite serious stuff too when we were speaking about Polly. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for sharing that so so well and articulating around that too and then speaking about Chris as well. So, But you know what? Either side of that and in amongst all of that, you've told us about some fantastic achievements that, that you've had running-wise, also career-wise as well. I've never said congratulations for your, your degrees. So well done on that too. Um, Thank you very about, much. Yeah, yeah. And you also told us about counting sheep. Brilliant, man. First yeah. time to do that as well. So I'm, I'm going to say thank you. I'm going to hand over to Stephen. Stephen, you want to come in with a few words? Yeah, no, I totally just want to thank you, Joe, for um, giving up your time. Um, I, know, I know how precious it is between your profession and your passions and also your family, of course, <laughs> which I'm sure is one of your passions. Oh, yeah. um, so, no, thank you very much. And I know that John said there that, you know, we, we filled in all the blanks. I know that there's blanks that we didn't even get near, such as, um, you know, winning the Glencoe Skyline um, oh, yeah. with, with Emily one. Forsberg, um, you know, joining you yeah, um, on, <laughs> on the podium. So maybe a, a, yeah. another another time we could catch up on some of that other chat and and like we said we'll be really watching your um your 2022 goals with uh, um, a, a close intent so no thank you very much Joe. it's oh, been yeah. an absolute pleasure thank you very much thanks Stephen thanks John no worries mm-hmm.